Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone, to the newest edition of the Streakers podcast. We are the ones that got away. That is Patrick Previty. I am Mason Migliera. We are your hosts for the next, I don't know, hour, 15 minutes. Who knows how long this will be. But uh, we just had a great weekend, week one of NFL in the books, week two of college football in the books. We also will be reviewing uh, the MLB playoff race. Uh, but as always, Patrick, how are you doing today? Doing great, feeling great from the weekend. Um, my picks were a lot better this time than last week. I remember I said LSU, take the points, they'll cover and they'll win. And they got blown out. Um in the fourth quarter, essentially, just specifically the fourth quarter against FSU. But this week I had Texas. I said Quinn Ewers is going to ball out. I said they might be up by more than a touchdown at some point in the game, but went by about a touchdown, and then one by 10, 34-24. So I'm really happy with my picks this week. And I also beat you in the NFL picks, which we'll get into later. Um, yeah. I did good, but I wish I would have taken the Bucks. Wish I would have stayed in uh, with my hometown team, been a homer. But – Overall, great uh, week, amazing week of full of football, and I'm looking to get uh, right into it. Yeah, I mean, you kind of started us off with the college football. We'll kind of do a little bit of that here real quick. Um, As you mentioned, Texas did defeat Alabama. That game was electric. College game day was there. Um, I think uh, Coach on on game day, he picked uh, Texas even though they were in Alabama, so he got a little bit of a uh, poo-poo from all the people there in Bama. Um, but that game, it was electric. Ewers played phenomenal. Uh, that entire Texas team, they are they are something else. They are something special this year. Uh, let me try and pull up the rankings real quick just so that we can kind of get a quick look at that. Um, yeah, they moved up pretty far. Alabama dropped, I believe, to 10. Um, that Texas team, man, they recruit really well. So they got guys mm-hmm. all over the field, and you could kind of see it in uh, – down the stretch and especially in like the fourth quarter against Alabama, where you were thinking, man, Alabama just needs to, they need to get the ball back and score. And they just simply weren't able to do that. And a lot of games, especially against teams like Texas, or maybe not like teams that you think of being on Alabama's level, you know, other than like Georgia or something, usually they can do that, but they weren't able to do that. And I think that's a testament to their recruiting. Yeah. Without a doubt. So let's take a look here at the, at the rankings from the AP top 25 well, number one and number two don't really change. It's always it's going to be Georgia and Michigan. You know, what I do want to say, I looked at both of their schedules. Georgia, they do have a tough end of the year. I think they have to play – they probably have to play Bama and Tennessee, something like that. Um, but Michigan, they don't really play anybody throughout the entire season. Their biggest game is against Ohio State uh, there at the end of the year. And then they also play Penn State, who is uh, currently ranked number seven. But other than that, Michigan really just kind of has – it's so smooth. I don't know if I would be okay with having them at number two because teams like Texas and Florida State, who are uh, Florida State is at number three, who moved up a spot, and Texas is ranked number four now, moving all the way up. Um, I think that those wins that those two teams have, Florida State being against LSU and Texas being against Bama, 
those should, I think, put them above Michigan. And I could even argue against Georgia. But Georgia's going to have a tougher schedule at the end of the year. So if they win those games, then it's respectable that they're at number one. But as of right now, Florida State and Texas, they have the two best wins of the, arguably, the best wins of the entire first two weeks of the season. Am I wrong? No, you're completely right. I would rank them like that. I mean, I would put Texas and then FSU one and two. I mean, well, I guess I would give some respect to Georgia just for being two-time defending national champions. That's a an amazing feat that deserves respect regardless of who you play in the first couple weeks of the season. So I would probably push uh, Texas to two and uh, FSU to three, but I completely agree with what you're saying and the sentiment. I mean, we're basically going off of preseason polls and like how far up you think you want to move a team from where they started or how big of a win you think a team had. I mean, if Alabama's going to be in front of teams that have, that are also undefeated, I mean, obviously, only through the first two weeks, but some good level teams there, some power five teams that um, are well-respected have played well in the recent years and are two and oh, if they're going to be in front of them after a week two loss, not looking too hot, especially on offense, a lot of question marks, especially at quarterback, then that would mean that Texas is a pretty darn good football team regardless. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't they be that high? You know, I honestly thought four was too low for them. Um, I, I think their win, strictly looking at it from an Alabama or LSU um, lens, was better than FSU's win. So mm -hmm. I don't understand why they wouldn't be higher. I, I kind of questioned it, but um, the AP poll has kind of been changing over the years. So that Texas win vaulted them up to uh, – or excuse me, that Alabama win vaulted Texas up to uh, number four. So mm -hmm. usually in a few years ago, like, wouldn't have went that high anyway. I totally, I totally agree with you. The one team that I'm looking at in that top four is Michigan because look at who they played. They played East Carolina. They handled them 30 to three. Then UNLV, they won 35 to seven. Yeah, those are solid wins, but those are not teams that are that amazing. And then when you look at the rest of their schedule, they got Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska. I don't take Nebraska very seriously. Minnesota, I don't take them too seriously. Indiana, not really. Michigan State. Eh. Purdue, they always have that weird win against a top like five team, top ten team. So I guess that can be considered a a a, a game. And then they got P Penn State, who's ranked number seven, so that's a good game. And then Maryland and Ohio State. Comparing that to what Texas has already done, what Florida State's already done, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But that schedule is not too tough, so it doesn't make me feel like oh they deserve to be in a playoff spot at this moment yeah i think michigan's getting the respect too though with being in the playoffs two years in a row i would not give it to them and i completely agree with their schedule i mean shoot purdue what that's a trap game maybe i mean they haven't tripped up michigan really so then it's like you're looking at penn state and ohio state obviously ohio state wasn't looking too sharp in week one and they just played youngstown state and you know, crushed them just like they would or should any FCS team. Um, and Penn State's been a clear third. They haven't shown nationally that they had that ceiling um, in a minute, um, maybe since like James Franklin, you know, or well, he's still there. Yeah. But excuse me, uh, like, you know, some of the, some of their like times when they went to the Rose Bowl, like yeah. six years ago, they shown like they haven't really been um, to that point, maybe even like. You know, I don't I don't think that they would ever really be considered a true playoff contending team just yet until they like made a run at the Big Ten championship game. They would need to knock off one of the teams um, and they certainly haven't been able to do that. So I think Michigan gets like a respect thing um, at the end of the day. But I agree. They don't have anybody really on their schedule that I definitely respect outside of Ohio State or slightly Penn State. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I guess it is two weeks into the season, so we'll kind of see things will come to form more week five, six, seven as we as we go along. We'll kind of see more of what they're made of. Um, but an, one team that I feel like we just have to talk about is Colorado. What they've been able to do so far is pretty damn impressive. Um, I don't know if I don't know who saw it all coming. Just this juggernaut of a team, but they just played uh, against Nebraska and Matt Rule and. I mean, I wasn't really thinking – I thought they would win that game, but I didn't think they win it, like, this easily. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, 
Colorado's just been a force to be reckoned with. It's amazing. And Nebraska really sucked. They have 12 points per game through the first couple of games, eight turnovers, have only forced two themselves. It's just been a disaster. I mean, Minnesota is not very good. That was a slugfest. They lost at the end of the game, which was a sign of, you know, more things to uh, work on. And hopefully not for Nebraska fans, more things to come. And then, yeah, in the Colorado game, if their offense would have just been slightly competent and not had turned the ball over so many times in the first half, they may have been up in the first half, like at halftime, in all honesty. And Jeff Sims can run the ball. He showed that um, against Colorado still, but it's just they are lacking um, that difference maker through the air. And it's really starting to show. I will say, though, Matt Rule um, and his tenure at Nebraska should not be written off just yet. I think, yes, 0-2 is a crummy start. You know, he has a track record of turning around programs in college with Temple and Baylor. So there's obviously optimism, but let's just be careful because it's just the first two games. He's not going to turn around just yet. And then also at the same time, let's not pronounce him dead. So Nebraska fans will probably have to go through this for the rest of the season. I don't think that this team, I mean, especially with Sims as quarterback, or if they can't find any other guy, I mean, this team isn't really better than like any sort of six and six. I think they would be happy to make a bowl game. They're really not that good at all. And um, as far as you said with Colorado, um, circling back to them, they have been unbelievable. Uh, that really is also a testament to just how much they've transformed. I mean, they were one in 11 last year. So under Deion Sanders, they have are obviously a new look team at 80 plus transfers. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, that's where game day is going this week. That's where uh, week three pretty, pretty much headlines. There's not a great slate of games. Uh, the Colorado State head coach, who Colorado is playing this week, um, said something snarky uh, to some ESPN reporters when he sat down with them for the preview of the game. He said that when he sits down with, and does interviews with these reporters, he takes off his hat and his sunglasses. I don't know why people still continue to take digs at Deion Sanders. I'm very confused. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, when will they learn? I, these teams continue to get stomped um, when they make a comment like that and they just have egg on their face at the end of the game. I don't understand it. And also, who cares? It doesn't even matter. I mean, the guy's clearly running his program in, a, in the correct way, or at least in the right direction as far as the win column is concerned, which, you know, especially with what's been going on in the college football world, that's really all that matters to anybody yeah. in charge is the win column. Yep, that that is all that matters. Um, but yeah, speaking of the win column, I think we're going to move into uh, some MLB real quick. It is your weekly wild card MLB playoff race update. Um, the most notable news right now is that the Braves, they did last night just clinch the NL East crown for the sixth straight season. Uh, they are just a juggernaut of a team. They've got 96 wins on the year. They'll probably end with around 105 to 108 wins. That's just unheard of. They are a juggernaut of a team, as I've said. Uh, they probably have the leading MVP award winner uh, on their team in Ronald Acuna Jr. Although Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman with the Dodgers have been doing very well and uh, they definitely will get some consideration, but I think uh, it's kind of been Acuna's since the very start of the season. And as we move into the AL side of things, the AL West is still very kind of up in the air. Um, Houston currently has the lead. Uh, with one game over Texas and one and a half games over Seattle. Uh, so still, still very, very close there. And then the AL wild card is still just as tight. The Rays are uh, in, in control of that first spot. They're going to, it'll either be them or the Orioles. They're about one and a half games uh, behind the Orioles right now in the AL East. So the team that wins the AL East will get a bye. And the team that comes in second is going to uh, host a wild card game against the second place uh, wild card finisher in the AL. But speaking of that second place uh, team right now, that is currently held by the Texas Rangers. They've kind of come back to life a little bit. Um, they, they were definitely down and out uh, last week. I think they were out of the playoffs completely the last time we looked, but a week later, they are up a half game on the third place, Seattle Mariners who have over their last 10, they are about four and six. Uh, they do have to go and play the Los Angeles Dodgers this weekend. So that's going to be really tough if they want to stay in it. They might have to, they, they're going to need to win that series for sure. 
Um, but a big series that's going on right now is Texas and Toronto. I think they're finishing up a uh, a three-game series, and Texas has won uh, both of those first two games. Uh, Toronto is trying to stay alive. They're one game behind Seattle, one and a half behind Texas. So if Toronto can end up picking up a win today against the Rangers, they will be just a half game out, and they will be just one game behind the Rangers. So that will – that will uh, keep things even tighter and bring it even tighter. But talking about a tight race, oh my goodness, the NL wildcard standings are absurd. Uh, just now, the game just ended between the Reds and the Tigers. The Reds dropped the final game of the series against them, which is really going to hurt. It's going to hurt them in the in the playoff standings. They did have a, uh, I think, a half game lead or a full game lead over the Marlins and the Giants. But that loss brings them back down and brings them to a tie with a three-way tie for fourth place. Uh, and on the outside looking in with the Marlins and the Giants, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they are currently in a game against the Mets. Let me try and pull up the score real quick. I think that game might have just started. Um, but yeah, they are in third place. They are trying to Yep, the game hasn't even started yet, so they're about to play that game. If they can win that game, uh, they will take hold of that final third place, and they go into a series this weekend against the Cubs, who the Cubs have been kind of playing a little spotty lately. They're 5-5 five and five over the last 10, uh, and as I said, they're going to be hosted. Oh, no, they're going into um, Arizona. So that's going to be a very, very big series because the Cubs are up by two games. Uh, on the Arizona Diamondbacks, they can gain uh, a half game. If uh, if Arizona wins, they can gain a half game, so it'll be a ha- one and a half. And then if they lose, then it'll be a two and a half game lead for the Cubs. So that's a very crucial series for the NL Wild Card. And then for the Phillies, I'll talk about them real quick. Uh, they are leading the NL Wild Card by three and a half games, so just one and a half up on uh, the next closest team in the Cubs. They've had a tough. Uh, Last couple, last ten games or so, uh, they were beat by both the Marlins and the Braves over the last couple of days. Uh, the Marlins went in last weekend and took two out of three. That was a huge series for them. And then the Braves, they went in and they took three out of four. Uh, they split a doubleheader on Monday and then they uh, ended up winning the next two games. Uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and last night clinching the NL East in Philadelphia with a shower of booze from uh, um, the the Philly, Philly faithful there. Um, but yeah, this wild card is absolutely nuts. The Marlins right now, I obviously have the game on in my room as uh, as we're recording this. They're currently down three to two uh, in the bottom of the sixth, and uh, Josh Donaldson just hit a foul ball, but Arise was unable to catch it. Um, so the the Marlins, they're going to need to win. Uh, this this game today, they need to if they want to stay alive. They're only a half game out, but they do have to face the Atlanta Braves this weekend. It's going to be a very, very tough series for them. The Braves are the big brothers. They they always destroy us. Um, so I'm very nervous for that uh, just personally with uh, my team. And then lastly, the San Francisco Giants, they have been playing a little bit better of late. Um, who did they just play? I cannot remember. Let me pull it up. Uh, let me see. Oh, they just played the Guardians. They had a very nice uh, comeback win, I believe, yesterday, and were able to uh, get themselves in the win column there. They do have a four-game set against the very, very lowly Colorado Rockies, who are the worst team in the NL right now. So if they can, if the San Francisco Giants can get a sweep there of the of the Rockies, that would be huge for them. So again, the things are very, very tight. Let's take a quick look at the schedule for this weekend. I'm not even going to point out any specific series. All series are important. Um, maybe not the New York Yankees and the Pittsburgh Pirates, but Atlanta and Miami, that one's going to be important for Miami because if they want to stay alive, they're going to have to win. Tampa and Baltimore, that's for the uh, AL East right there on Apple TV uh, tomorrow uh, tomorrow evening. And then Boston and Toronto. Boston's kind of they're, – they're pretty much dead in the water right now. They're not looking to make the playoffs. They just – actually fired uh, Heim Bloom uh, after, what, how many years? I think it's been four years. He was hired in 2019. So there's going to be a new GM there for uh, for the Boston Red Sox. But the Toronto Blue Jays, if they want any chance at uh, being in that wild card, they're going to need to win this series. 
Cincinnati Reds are going into New York uh, to face the Mets. The Mets, they're kind of playing spoiler right now, um, but they're, they're not an easy team. Just based on their record, uh, they might not look so good, but they are definitely not a team to uh, scoff at. And then the Rangers are going into Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's kind of done there in the AL Central, but Texas, they need these wins. They need to pile up as many as they can right now. Uh, they want to even have a chance at the playoffs. Minnesota, they're going into Chicago and playing the White Sox. They've got a hold on that AL Central. They're going to end up taking that crown. Houston Astros, I think they should go into Kansas City and sweep those Royals for sure. The Nationals, they've been playing really well ever since the All-Star break. So the Milwaukee definitely needs to take them seriously. Uh, they got Wade Miley on the mound. I'm assuming Corbin Burns is going to be pitching on Friday and then maybe Freddie Peralta on Sunday. So they got their workhorses going for them uh, in this series. Philly, they get an easier matchup now against the St. Louis Cardinals. They should be able to take care of them, although it will be on the road. So, you know, that home field advantage for the Cardinals is going to be is going to be nice. But I expect the Phillies to kind of come out of that. Talked about San Francisco going into uh, Colorado and, and facing the Rockies. Detroit and the Angels, not really much importance there. Um Chicago, Arizona, I already pointed that one out. We all know the importance of that. We got Justin Steele, who was in the Cy Young co uh, conversation, going against uh, Brandon Fatt. I think that's – I believe that's his name um, for Arizona. A uh, nice rookie pitcher for them. Ha hasn't been too fortunate this year, but I think he did pick up his first career win a couple starts ago. And then we got San Diego and, and the A's. Nothing really of importance there. And L.A. and Seattle, I kind of highlighted that earlier. Um, if Seattle wants to stay alive, they're definitely going to need to uh, take a W in that series. But that is your uh, MLB update. Now, uh, Patrick, let's take it away and uh, talk about some NFL. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, there was so much that happened this last week. We obviously touched on a little bit when we made our picks on Sunday. Um, that was very, uh, you know, opinion based. I think um, so we can run through kind of what exactly happened, what we got right, what we got wrong. And then uh, for our biggest takeaways. Yep. I, uh, I guess I can kind of start off. We have our uh, predictions record. Uh, uh, we'll be keeping track of those throughout the season. I went eight and eight. So I went a nice uh, crisp 500, but uh, Mr. Patrick over here popped off and went 12 and four on his game picks. How did you do it? We might need to recount this. We might no, need to. Okay, we no. might need to recount this because I'm not sure I went. I did that good, but um, I'm I took you. I took a leap on the Browns game and I got that one right and I got bailed out a little bit with the weather and Sean Watson looked like he played well, so I think him being closer to the Texans self is probably something that will occur at some point this season. Um. He looks sharp. Bengals look really, really bad, um, especially Joe Burrow. I don't think we need to look into that too much. I kind of have that written in our little rundown here, but I'm not looking too much into that. It's his first game back. The weather was awful. Not that that's an excuse because man just got paid $275 million, so weather should not matter. But I'm not looking too much into that game. He always, excuse me, he always plays well, uh, poorly, poorly. He plays poorly against, um, those Browns. So I'm not looking too much into it. I think uh, next, this upcoming week, he's going to be just. I'm kind of surprised that that's like, I guess that's the overall feeling actually. Um, so I shouldn't be too surprised um, in general, but he had 82 total yards. I know it was yeah. like really, really bad conditions, but I, I'm almost shocked. Uh, like with how poorly, like he played in general. And then, you know, like, the Browns were able to put points up on the board. They were yeah. able to score something. So I, I always look at it like, well, if the other team's dealing with it too, then how big of an advantage is it for them as well? You know what I mean? Like he, he, they should have been able to put more offense together and they just weren't able to. I, I think I'm already kind of like more closer, like on the Browns bandwagon. I like what I saw from them more than uh, what I saw from the Steelers after they got trounced by the 49ers. And I understand all of the things that make that comparison apples to oranges with the 49ers playing the C, uh playing the uh, Steelers 49ers are an amazing team one of the best teams in the NFL and obviously Cleveland um just doing better in the weather than the Bengals you know who knows how it would be straight up um 
So I know it feels a little different, but I'm already kind of on that Browns are better than the Steelers train. And then and then them getting a win over the Bengals kind of makes me think that this division could be a lot more muddled than what I thought. I don't want to make too many conclusions from week one. I've obviously been preaching that with college football, but I really thought that this win was important for the Browns to start off 1-0. And I know I predicted them to do it. Um, but I had no idea that it was going to be 24 to three or that um, Joe Burrow was going to have like what 82 passing yards. Yeah. It was not a good showing at all for, uh, for Joe Burrow. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he was like, Oh, it's, it was fine. No, it was, it was awful. It was not a good game at all, but I'm still not. I trust him. I think that he's got a good team around him. There's no chance that in T Higgins contract year that he's going to play that poorly. I think he had eight targets and zero receptions. That's not going to happen again. I'm just – Jamar Chase, he didn't play – he didn't have uh, much to show for anything either. Their run game really didn't do anything. What they score? I think they scored a total of three points. They had a – Yeah, it was 24-3. Yeah. to three. I mean, I yeah. see where you're coming from. I do. Uh, but I'm already kind of leaning towards the Browns might be better than people think this year. So That's definitely a vindicating win or prediction for me on that mm-hmm. side. Um other notable uh, storylines from that division, I think, is just how bad the Steelers looked. Um, I know the 49ers are a really good team, but the Steelers couldn't get anything done at all throughout the game. I'm a fan of Kenny Pickett, I'd say, or maybe I'm more so indifferent, but I'm a fan because I want to see him succeed as well. Um, I just I think he has it towards the end of games, but he does not have it like as far as the beginning of the game or in the time that he needs or that a team might need him to carry or to really, really step up throughout the game for long stretches of time. I think he could do it towards the end of the game, whenever bringing you, uh, getting you into field goal range or whatever a good clutch quarterback needs to do at the end of the game. But Kenny Pickett for the first part of the game where you might need your quarterback to really uh, carry the football team, lead the football team. I just don't know if he could do it. I mean, they were just, massacred by the Niners in week one we we talked about that line we were like two two points we were just we knew there that that wasn't happening and we nailed that one we should have put all of our money on it but we didn't because we're smart but we were smart in in thinking that it was a crazy line and there was just no way that the Steelers were going to have a chance against this 49ers team the 49ers looked really really good really really good Brock Purdy played very nicely. Um, I don't have his stats. Up yeah, so the, so they have their quarterback, mm-hmm. I think. So, I mean, so they have their guy. So it's like, what do we think that the ceiling of that team can be? You know, like, do I think that they could go to the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? I mean, after what I saw in week one against the Steelers team, that was everybody's hot pick to uh, sneak in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's a Super Bowl team. 19 of 29, 220 yards, two touchdowns. And McCaffrey obviously played extremely well. All around, extremely well, up 20-0 before um, Steelers were able to tack on their only touchdown of the game at the end of that first half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They dominated from beginning to end. No, without a doubt, they, they definitely did play pretty well. Another team that I was actually kind of surprised with, or the, the game that I was kind of surprised with, was the Jaguars and the Colts. That game was a lot closer than um, I was anticipating. It was a lot closer for a really long time. And for a little bit, the Colts had a lead over – over uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and and the Jaguars. Now, don't get me wrong, Calvin Ridley balled out. He did what he needed to do, um, and, and he played extremely well. But Anthony Richardson, he played super well, although for that injury there at the end of the game, uh, that definitely kind of sucked. And he got told by Trevor Lawrence, it was, hey, bro, you're, you're a hell of a talent, but you need to protect yourself more. And that's something that uh, – uh, what's his name, that Anthony Richardson is going to need to do. But looking at these numbers, I mean, he was 24 for 37 with 233 yards, a touchdown, and one pick. And then what What about his rushing? How much did he rush for? He I probably liked carries. him. I think I probably liked him more than any of the other guys, more than Bryce Young and rookies. C.J. Stroud. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with the way that they were able to really stand in there, in there with the Jags, there was this one uh, – funky fumble call um during the game that i believe went their way um but otherwise i mean they were just standing in there you know blow for blow with the jags and i was really impressed i mean with a divisional game 
it's going to be a little bit closer than maybe some people think, especially in week one. You know, you're knocking the rust off. You don't know how a team's going to start the year. A lot of great teams can start 0-1. But they really hung in there with the Jags, and I was I was honestly very impressed. And what you're saying about um, him taking care of himself or protecting himself is so true. Because I remember at the end of the game, I was so disappointed when it was finally kind of out of reach that he then suffered his knee injury. And it looked like he also maybe suffered a little bit more. I don't want to speculate. But he's not on the injury report this week, so he kind of got away with one if you're the head coach there. I yep. would really prefer them to like be careful on those design runs, man, because that's really what kept Cam Newton from playing into his well into his 30s was those design runs. And, I mean, he's not Superman, actually. May call him that, may be his nickname, but Cam Newton ended up um, losing a step. And then obviously with his personality or his persona, probably would have been a good uh, backup QB in the room. But, you know, you know how teams do it. They don't like their a second string to be more popular than the first string, just adds distractions. So just wasn't the case. And now he's out of the league. So you would hate to have that for Anthony Richardson, to have mm-hmm. a very short peak and a quick decline. But I, I understand what you mean, though. I, I love the way that he played. I really thought he was the best rookie in week one. Without a doubt. And then moving on to a player that – or a team that kind of did not play as well. I'm going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. That team, I don't know how they didn't win this game. It was the turnovers for sure. I mean, uh, Kirk Cousins had an interception and then two fumbles. But when you have a receiver in Justin Jefferson who has 150 yards and then a rookie wide receiver who had four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown in Jordan Addison, I mean – I feel like you should end up winning that game against Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who no one really has any crazy positive thoughts on before the season started. I mean, they have the whole issue with Mike Evans. Now he's probably not, this is going to be his last season with the Bucs. So there's that whole storyline. They Tampa didn't rush for anything. They rushed for 73 yards total as a team. But then when you look at Minnesota, they rushed for 41 as a team. Alexander Madison didn't do anything. And then he didn't really do anything out of the backfield catching the ball either. He had 10 yards on three on three catches. Like, I don't know. I guess this game was just more so the turnovers that the Tampa Bay defense was able to do. But, I mean, I'm sure you being a, a Bucks fan and everything, you watched more intently. But, I mean, Baker didn't play bad either. He didn't play bad. He had 173 yards, two touchdowns, nothing average game. I mean, his QBR was 61, which isn't anything crazy, but Kirk Cousins was 54, but he had 344 yards passing. I don't know. Just really kind of a weird game, and I don't understand how they ended up losing. The only way, the only thing that I can think of is they weren't clutch. They don't have that same luck that they had last year. I think they were a perfect 11-0 and in one-score games last year. They didn't get that this in this first game. And the turnovers. Yeah, the 11-0 and mark in uh... – one score games is always a dangerous stat going into the following year, because you think that that team can really take care of business, but then you realize how much really goes into deciding a one score game that may be out of their control, maybe other teams mistakes or what have you. And it kind of showed um, in week one, I do think this Bucks team is good. I think they're a solid squad. They still have players that um, were on the Super Bowl team Um they have weapons for Baker Mayfield. He's just a guy. He's just going to put it all, all out there on the line. And I think he's kind of becoming a real leader for the Bucks right now. Um, he's going to take that hit. He's going to fight for those extra yards, try to get that first down, even if it's second down or something like that. He's going to try to go for it. And I really think that that uh, lights a fire under these players, but also think that they respect him for that. They really have a QB that um, post Brady that I do truly think that they respect um, out there calling plays. And obviously his reputation precedes him. He played through injuries before. Um, I think for the Vikings, yeah, it's just week one. I'm not going to sit here and say, even though I picked them that uh, to not make the playoffs, that, oh, they suck or all this sort of stuff. Like, I'm not going to pronounce a team dead after week one. Um, I think that this Vikings team is really good. They got off to the wrong start. And this Bucks team, this Bucks loss will, I think, look better as the season goes on because I don't think that this Bucks team is going to be bad. I don't think they're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, not with how Baker played on Sunday. So I think overall, I think this loss will be looked at as 
yeah, you know, we could not run the ball. You know, the Bucs couldn't either average 2.2 yards per carry also, mm-hmm. um, just a tick under the Vikings. But, you know, you're thinking, hey, we couldn't run the ball, had some really weird turnovers in the first half, cleaned it up, made it a game, um, got close, but just weren't able to pull it out. Happens in week one. Um, yeah, but, no. yeah, I think, I think, though, the Vikings will definitely want to – gain some ground tonight against the Eagles, which we'll get into later. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. But moving into more uh, in that North division, uh, the game that also really kind of shocked me was uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. Uh, We both were pretty high on the Bears, but they did have the number one pick overall last season for a reason. They're not really a good football team. At least they weren't last year. And is adding DJ Moore just that immediate – change does it because he didn't do anything in this game he had two catches for 25 yards and then i think that's it wow yeah i mean i've been wishy-washy on dj Moore. i mean i knew what he was with the panthers and that was just not enough like not enough to transform that offense i don't think he's the number one i think he was just an added piece to when they traded that pick away i mean i remember seeing a lot of people being like oh my god they got dj Moore. they got blah 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 like this would be great for the team. I think it's good. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it being better for Justin Fields, but man, he didn't, I mean, that wasn't enough at all, no. not even close. And then you ended up finding Justin Fields rushing for 59 yards. Sure. He can move, but you know, the overall team's rushing was fairly decent. I mean, but from the running backs, it just wasn't enough. And so mm-hmm. you once again, found yourself in a position where DJ Moore wasn't making a difference. Justin Fields led the team in rushing. And then, you know, he's young he's still. He's, so he's going to have a pick or he's going to take some sacks. Uh-huh. Jordan Love was just sitting pretty there on the other side with three touchdowns, one sack. Like, it just – I was really disappointed because this game wasn't really close at all, um, no. especially no. as it wore on in the third and the fourth quarter. I mean, it was gone uh, way away from the Bears' reach. Um, I think the Packers are going to surprise us now. I, I don't want to make too many conclusions, but I think seeing if a team has something that works – or looks like it'll work throughout the season, I'm ready to say, like, oh, yeah, that team looks like a team that could make it to the playoffs. And that Packers team, that feels like Jordan Love inserted into that into that position with that roster looks ready to do something. I don't think it's the Vikings in that division. I think it's – we've talked about it. Obviously, the Lions got a big win um, uh, an entire week ago now. Um, but as far as that second slot, I don't think it's the Vikings. I'm a little bit more weary about it being the Bears, in all honesty. Yep. And I'm leaning yep. towards the Packers being a team that I could definitely envision swooping in. Mm-hmm. Um, not ready to change anything or declare my picks wrong, but I loved what I saw from the Packers. Definitely, definitely, especially Jordan Love, though. He's never looked I, that crisp in a game in the NFL. I 100% agree with you. I was very uh, surprised to see how poorly the uh, the Bears played, but maybe that's just – me not doing enough uh, research on them because I mean, it's Justin Fields and, and DJ Moore, and I guess Cole Komet maybe, I mean, they signed him to that big deal. Obviously DJ Moore was being locked down by Jair Alexander, who is a top corner in the NFL. I think like he's definitely a really, really good defensive player. So I guess uh, we kind of overlooked that a little bit, but I mean, this green Bay Packers team is still really, really good. Aaron Jones was both their leading rusher only at 41 yards and their reading leading receiver. But that he, it's because he had that one long 51 yard play and he had a touchdown. Um, and that's, this is all without um, Christian Watson playing. Cannot forget about that. Christian Watson did not play. So that is, I was, I'm very impressed by this game by the Packers and kind of upset by the bears, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but moving on into the next game that we got, uh, we talked about the 49ers a little bit. The, the line was a joke. Um, the Rams, that Rams game, uh, what the heck happened to them there? That was, that was crazy. We totally anticipated them to, uh, kind of handle, uh, Seattle pretty, maybe not easily, but it was just the complete opposite. They played terribly. Or not the Rams. No, no, no. The Seahawks did, yes. The, the Seahawks, Seahawks did. did, yeah. Um, the Seahawks yeah, no, I was shocked, honestly, by that score. I couldn't even look at it because I knew how wrong I was and how much it stung. We swapped them. 
Um, and I had the Seahawks making the playoffs over the Rams, and that did not get off to a very good start at all. 30 to 13 kind of shocks me almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were down at half, and 23-0 in the second half was the Rams' score compared to the Seahawks. Um, very impressed. They still can't really run the ball. They're still trying to figure out that backfield. But Matt Stafford, sitting back in there, didn't throw any touchdowns, but was very consistent, had a good QBR rating. And I was really impressed with just the amount of receivers he was able to throw to and everybody who made a difference uh, through the air. Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua. Who the heck uh, is that? I have no idea. I have no idea. 10 receptions, 119 yards, and he'll be, uh, you know, he's probably already been picked up in your fantasy league. I mean, who knows? And and obviously you're kind of salivating at the mouth thinking Cooper Cup could be inserted into this lineup. I mean, who are these guys? I mean, obviously Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, been there for a few years. Bryson Hopkins even got in on the fun. I mean, they, they really were able to spread the ball around a lot. And that's a testament to Sean McVay, but also veteran quarterback, uh, Matt Stafford, I, I I have to give the Rams credit and where and where it's due. We were out on them. We pronounced them dead before week one. I said I, I didn't want to pronounce anybody dead after week one, after just one week. But we did it to the Rams because of injuries. And um, I don't know if we're going to be right or if we're going to be wrong. I'm still going to stick by the Seahawks pick. I think, you know, sometimes uh, in a divisional game, things can get a little out of hand as well, um, especially uh, – if the other team is familiar with you, I mean, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll been coaching each other for a long time now. I mean, five plus years. So um, I'm not going to sweat it too much. Um, Obviously Seattle would have liked (laughs) some more production out of Geno Smith. I think in general, he had 4.3 yards uh, per completion. So that's, that number is going to have to go way up uh, Mm -hmm. in the next game. Yeah, for sure. And talking about going way up, let's talk about this Miami Dolphins and Los Angeles Chargers game because that score was just way up there. Uh, Two was throwing the ball way up there. I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna go off here for a second. 466 yards passing, 215 to Tyreek Hill. Come on. What is everyone talking about? This guy is not that good. Or he's just not he's, – He's worse than Justin Herbert. He's not. He's better than Justin Herbert. He proved it in this game. Oh, you're you're mad. You maybe you're mad. Um, but he is he is better than Justin Herbert, and I will stand by that. Look at this game. This game, they, it was a shootout, and honestly, it was it was more of a shootout on the Dolphins side, and then the Chargers were just running the ball all the time. The Dolphins couldn't stop the run for the life of them, and that was very frustrating. If they couldn't stop the run. I think this game would have been Dolphins by a mile. But because we couldn't stop the run, we had to throw the ball, and they just kept running it the whole time. So maybe it's bad of me to judge, but when it came down to the clutch moments, Tua on that last drive of the game for them, on that third down in what, third down in 10, third down in 15, something like that, uh, there was one where he threw it to Braxton Berrios. That catch was insane. That throw was insane. He was running out of the pocket. And he was being chased, and then he was able to get it to him. And then there was the other one to Tyreek Hill. He had Khalil Mack coming on the back of him, but he just steps up in the pocket and throws a dart down to Tyreek Hill, and it just drops perfectly. And then the touchdown to Tyreek Hill there at the end of the game, just over Davis's head. Literally, it was just – it was like God came down from the heavens and said, here you go, I'm going to place it right there, and that's what happened. That The throw was fantastic. He was pinpoint accurate uh, in that game, 28 of 45, 466 yards, three touchdowns, one really bad interception. And then also that play at the end of the first half where uh, was it? I think it was JC Jackson. He just full on shoved um, easy coma and we got a field goal out of that. And that's what helped us win the game. But then moving into the charger side of it, all they had to do, they figured out, Oh, we can just run the ball the whole time. But then when they were down and all they needed, all that Justin Herbert needed to do was move the ball maybe 35, 45 yards to get them in a field goal range and win that game. But he couldn't do it when the Dolphins finally decided, okay, we're going to blitz him. They blitzed him and he got flustered. He got sacked. He couldn't throw the ball and he just got flustered and it was over. He couldn't handle the pressure. He couldn't handle the moment. That is where I am saying that Tua is the better quarterback 
than Justin Herbert based on obviously the, the, the numbers, but the pressure situations, Tua overcame it, and Justin Herbert didn't. You make a good argument. I mean, coming off of a win, I mean, it's tough to argue against Tua. Do for God knows how many yards, 466. He was lights out, except for a pick. I don't know if that was his fault. I don't remember. I think um, so, yeah. It, it happens, but they played super well, and yeah, you're right. The Chargers ran the ball 20 more times than the Dolphins did, So they and they ran the ball more than they passed it. Um, he played better than... Um, Tua played better than Justin Herbert. I I mean, I can't argue that. He didn't get sacked at all. Um, very good, very good game. I think this team's ceiling is Super Bowl with Tua healthy. I really do. I think they could win the Super Bowl, actual Super Bowl contenders. I chose them not to make the playoffs, but dang, they looked really, really good, really sharp. And this offense is not uh, to be messed with. Tyree Kill, man, I think he's the best receiver outside of Justin Jefferson. And I almost want to say best receiver in the league, but I got to respect Je- Justin Jefferson. Man, Tyreek Hill was on a tear last year before you know, he had some injuries towards the end of the year. Like He's a clear number two, or he is approaching one, uh, 1A status. He is really good. 11 receptions, 215 yards is unbelievable. Um, but yeah. yeah, like I said, this Dolphins team looks like, that looked like a Super Bowl team, or at least the offense looked like a Super Bowl caliber offense. So I'm kind of kicking myself for not picking them uh, to make the playoffs, especially now with the Jets, uh, Aaron Rodgers going down. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs anymore. So I had them winning the division. So that looks like my pick is already um, a little screwy there. Maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, adjust them midseason or something like that. Or well, well maybe midseason is a little too late, but maybe like uh, so maybe this Thursday, maybe we'll adjust it. I kind of want to change it, but. Respect uh, for keeping the Dolphins uh, and riding with them, especially before the season started and with Rodgers we thought was going to be healthy. Yeah, I I had to be a homer there. I will say the defense did not look as good. Uh, They couldn't stop the run for the life of them, but I think they'll get that figured out. Um, We'll see what happens this week when they face uh, the the Patriots in primetime on Sunday night. But moving to the other primetime game that was last Sunday, the Cowboys just slapped the New York Giants. I mean – what the hell was that? That came out of nowhere, in my opinion. Now, looking at the numbers, it was really the defense. Like, that blocked field goal that they returned for a touchdown, Noah Igbenogany finally doing something worthwhile in his life. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's mean. But other than that, like, I mean, Dak Prescott, I guess you can't really take the numbers into account because it was just such a blowout that he didn't have to do anything. I mean, he was 13 for 24 with 143 yards no touchdowns, no interceptions. So good on him for no interceptions, but um, no touchdowns is kind of eh. Uh, they did give the ball to Tony Pollard a decent amount, 14 carries, 70 yards, two touchdowns. Um, CeeDee Lamb had a solid game, uh, just 77 yards. The, the offense didn't really have to do anything because the defense kind of took care of it all. Um, how yeah, any – Anytime your quarterback throws from for only 143 yards and zero touchdowns and you went 40 to zero, you must have been doing something right. Yeah. They absolutely pimp slapped the Giants. That was really, really bad. Um, yeah. I didn't pick the Giants to make the playoffs. I thought that they would take a step back this year. I mean, that looked really, really horrible. Daniel Jones was running for his life. He couldn't, he had zero time. He got sacked seven times. He had no time to throw the ball. So I can't even really blame Daniel Jones. I've been saying like, oh, I don't think he's that guy, all this other stuff. Um, Respect to Brian Dayball as a coach, but I just didn't think that Daniel Jones could really take that next step, especially the one that Josh Allen did. Um, Mm -hmm. But I can't really fault him for being 15 and 28 for 104 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he had zero time to throw the ball like the entire game from start to finish. So I'm going to give him a bit of a pass in week one, but overall 40 to zero was really disappointing. I didn't think that as a whole, the giants were ready. And then Saquon Barkley wasn't able to make any sort of difference on the ground that could even bail out Daniel Jones. Yeah. That game was a uh, really just a slap uh, in the face multiple times to the giants. The The Cowboys just went into MetLife and beat the living hell out of them. But moving into the Monday night game, that also was at MetLife Stadium. It was the Bills and the Jets. 
so much hype. It was the story of the offseason. Aaron Rodgers getting traded to the New York Jets. And he played for four snaps. And the snap was his Achilles. And he's out for the season. That was unreal. I remember I was sitting in class with a bunch of other people. We were sitting there. We were watching. We saw Aaron Rodgers go down. It's like, oh, my gosh, is it an ankle? What is it? We obviously had to keep it on silent because we were in class. So we couldn't hear any analysis. But we were just assuming what was going on. And you see him sit down. And then you see him getting – he's got his arms around his trainers. And he's walking out. And then you see the cart come out. Like, it was unreal what happened. And um, obviously, I, I'm actually very, very sad that Aaron Rodgers is hurt and he's not going to be playing this year because it was a story of the offseason. I wanted to see him play for the Jets. Uh, again, as a Dolphins fan, obviously, I whenever the Jets, I don't want to root for them at all, but I do like Aaron Rodgers. And I was excited to see him play in a new setting and with all this hype around it. And then for it to just go away like that, it was really, really heartbreaking for me to see, and honestly. It's so disappointing. It's actually so unfortunate. I think that was one, probably the biggest storyline in the NFL this year, and to just get taken away. And I don't know if he'll come back. I mean, I think he will. No, he will. I think he will. He will. But it's just one of those things where it's like, man, he's not going to be relevant at all as far as the NFL is concerned for at least another year. Really yeah. disappointing, especially for Jets fans. I know that there was some symbolism or, well, maybe not symbolism, but maybe a little bit of foreshadowing. And Vinny Testaferdi being out there, he he tore his Achilles, I think, um, in 1999 or something. Very hyped up um, team, hyped up Jets team, ready for the season. And he tore it in the first game. And he was out there. Um, I believe maybe he was on an honorary captain or was just coming there because everybody was at that Jets game. And then Rodgers goes through the same thing. Um, just about 24 years later. Really unfortunate for Jets fans. You hate to see that Achilles injury because when you see it, it's very, it's a very visual injury and it's funky looking. It's uh, it's almost like a rubber band um, snaps. You see it reverberate and it's kind of disgusting, but it's also at the same time, not like as gruesome as some of the other injuries, but it's very tricky because when you see it, you're thinking, you know exactly what it is. You know, it's an Achilles and you're like, oh my God, like that's the worst injury in sports outside of a head injury or something like that, or obviously, you know, really bad spinal injury. So you're thinking this guy's career is over. He's 39 or whatever. He's going to be, you know, 40 or he's playing into his forties. Like how can he do it on um, a repaired Achilles? Mind you a lot of the Kevin Durant thing though. And he was able to come back and he was in basketball. And I think that's much tougher to do than playing quarterback in the NFL. So modern medicine has, uh, improved a lot the state of players after their injuries so I do think he'll come back but I'm just a little worried you know I'm just I'm skeptical because it's like will he be the A-Rod of old because it's all about like rolling out um, of the pocket and throwing the ball 40 yards to a guy just right in front of the defender like on the money it's like will he be able to do that set his feet roll out at all I mean it's going to be Peyton Manning who's just a statue at the end there and even Tom Brady could not move at all. Mm-hmm. I'm very nervous uh, for the Jets for this season, for sure. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers needs to get well as soon as he can. Uh, he's obviously going to be out the whole entire season, and that just sucks. Um, but I, there's no doubt in my mind that Aaron Rodgers is 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 going to come back. Like he he 100. He's not going out like this. That's just not who he is. Um, but. The Jets ended up winning this game. That was the that was the next most shocking thing. Because once Aaron Rodgers goes out, you just lost everything. You lost your entire team. Like, it's over. But the Jets, Zach Wilson, his numbers, 14 for 21, 140 yards, one touchdown and one interception. I don't even remember what the interception was. I don't know if it was, like, a big deal or if it was just, like, a fluky thing, whatever. But he played pretty – he played fine. And then Brees Hall, he came in and – he showed he's healthy. He ran for 127 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 33 rushing yards on 13 attempts, nothing crazy. Uh, receivers, oh, my God, that Garrett Wilson touchdown. Can we just talk about that for a second? The way he tipped it and then caught – that was outstanding. I, I remember I was just sitting there, and I full-on jumped out and was like, oh, my God, that catch was insane. 
So the Jets, they played well. And then the punt return touchdown by Xavier Gibson, uh, he was highlighted uh, in in hard knocks. He was one of the other – he was an undrafted uh, uh, wide receiver. I don't remember what school he was from, but he made the team as a special teams guy, and he was the punt returner. And he returned that punt. Yes, there was a tripping. I think we all can agree on that, but eh, whatever. The Bills had no – the Bills deserved to lose that game because Josh Allen – he was god-awful. He was terrible. He had 29 for 41, 236 yards, 5.8 per uh, attempt, and then one touchdown and three interceptions. One of them was like a punt kind of interception, which everyone was kind of like, eh, whatever. But the other ones were just awful. And who was the, who was the guy that made the interceptions? Uh, something white. Uh, he was on the – he was on the uh, – Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead. Okay, yeah. He was on the Bucks, uh, and he had three picks – in the game, all the all three picks went to him. But other than that, I mean, Josh Allen just did not play well. And I think that just shows, like, they did not deserve to win this game. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, the Bills definitely didn't deserve to win this game, especially with the way that Josh Allen uh, has been playing. Going back to Brian Dayball, since he has left, I believe Josh Allen has thrown 20 interceptions. So, in the last 18 games. So, that's, re- that's pretty bad. Um, he... It's just not – it looks like it's not clicking as much. He's still super athletic, still super strong, still super fast, can run the ball, all that sort of stuff. But now it seems like he's turning the ball over at a rate that's just not sustainable for a team to win games. Um, it's I am concerned. I got to be honest. I wasn't concerned last year, but I was really hoping to see a Josh Allen that maybe was more on the conservative side that said like, hey, I'm not going to throw this ball because – I have the strongest arm in the world, or I have one of the best receivers in the world. Um, I'm just going to try to play it smart and keep us into this game. They didn't need a lot to win this, which is amazing. 16 points in regulation. The Jets just had the win taken out of their sails. They didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. Like, this was not a team ready to win that night, if I'm being completely honest. Like, that was not a squad that was ready. And Matt Milano got you a pick off of Zach Wilson, and... The emotions ran ran high in the game, but the sails, the wind just went out of the Jets' sails so quickly after all of the 9-11 pregame stuff, after all of the, you know, the honoring the soldiers, the national anthem, Robert Solis stuff, Rogers, you know, with the flag running out on the field, all that great stuff for the Jets, all the celebrities, the atmosphere, the Monday Night Football, the home fans, all that sort of stuff. It really subsided after the injury and they still weren't able to get any momentum because Josh Allen just continued to turn the ball over. Very, very disappointing to see, especially if you're a Bills fan. Um, I'm officially concerned because I chose the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and I really do think that that ceiling is still there for Josh Allen and them. But if he's going to continue this and it looks, it looks like that's a possibility now then this team won't won't get a playoff win. This is not a playoff uh, caliber team or a team that could win a game in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it was really, really, really weird what, what, what uh, we saw there on Monday Night Football with the Bills playing just as terribly as pretty much possible, uh, and especially Josh Allen headlining that. And uh, that heartbreaking injury for Aaron Rodgers, the Jets, Good for the Jets to pull out that win. I think that's going to be huge for them. Uh, obviously, we'll see what happens with uh, their backup quarterback situation because I think uh, Zach Wilson is definitely going to take hold of that entire uh, position, and then they're just going to look for a backup just in case. Uh, we'll see what happens. There's been rumors that Tom, Bra- Tom Brady is not going to the Jets. That's not happening. I don't think they're going to pull Matt Ryan out of the booth um, and put him in the backup spot. Maybe Joe Flacco, he was there last year the year before. Uh I yeah, I don't know who they would get. I mean, unless you wanted to give up, like the Cowboys, I don't think are in the mood to do that because they just traded for Trey Lance, but and for a fourth, right? So yeah. I'd imagine you'd probably have to give up a third to get Trey Lance, and then it's like, do you really want to do that with Zach Wilson? You know, the same age, Jameis Winston maybe could be a chance from the Saints. I mean, he's a clear backup there with their car plan, and mm-hmm. you know, and all that sort of stuff. And Taysom Hill probably yeah. taking the Wildcat snaps, so. Yeah. Like, I don't know who else is out there, who else they might be interested in, but 
I think I think they're probably just going to ride with Zach Wilson. That seems like the culture of this team that they're going to buy into Zach Wilson and say, "Hey, like he was going to be on the team in two years anyway." When Aaron Rodgers was probably going to hang it up and was going to say, "I'm out." I mean, Aaron Rodgers supported him anyway while while he was uh, healthy, and um, I think that'll rub up rub off on the team. Um, and maybe he'll make his way up as far as respect in the league is concerned. Yeah, we'll have to see. Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to be there, and he's going to coach him up as much as he already has uh, throughout throughout uh, camp and everything. So it'll be an interesting season there, especially in that AFC East. A lot of, lot of storylines already coming out of there. But uh, that's all that we got for week one. Let's move into this Thursday night football game that's starting approximately uh, two and a half hours. Here at 8 o'clock, three and a half hours. I'm bad with math. I don't know, whatever. Um, we got the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Minnesota Vikings, uh, 8:15 on Peacock. So that's just another thing you need to go and subscribe to so you can watch this game. Uh, Philly is when I wrote this last night, they were a minus six favorite. Um, so what are your thoughts on this game before uh, we kind of dive into it? Well, I thought we didn't touch too much on the Patriots game, uh, against the Eagles. I thought that. It would be closer, and it was kind of closer towards the end, and I thought it was going to be a shootout. It wasn't really a shootout, but um, there were points on the board for both teams, obviously, 25-20. But I still I still respect the Vikings, um, even though they lost to the Bucks. So that line kind of – I'm concerned a little bit. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking the, the Vikings have something to prove. Um, Philly being a almost a full touchdown favorite is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I think the Vikings will need to, huh? I was going to say, got to remember it's prime time Kirk Cousins, so that kind of automatically brings it down. We already we all know how he plays there in prime time, but keep going. Just giving my respect to both teams. Uh, you know, I got to respect the Eagles. Thought it would be closer last week. They were able to get the job done. That Pat's offense was undynamic to say the least, especially at the end of the game. The Vikings didn't – I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. Did think they were going to win last week. Um, their run game is really disappointing, and going against the Eagles' front kind of scares me. I don't know about that touchdown line, though, because, um, you know, on, on a few days rest, Thursday night football feels like a lot um, is in play there um, outside of just uh, teams matching up in general. I think this is a low scoring game. I don't think this is, you know, much different than 23 to 14 range. Um, I know the Eagles would cover uh, with that score, but I'm thinking that, you know, 23 to 20 or something like that uh, for the Eagles, but I would take the Eagles still to win. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say any, anything else. I think Alexander Madison, um, he'll need to run the ball better to take the pressure off of Kirk Cousins. Um, but I don't know if he'll be able to do that with the Eagles front. They looked really, they look really good. Yeah. Uh, you kind of highlighted it. We, we've talked a little bit enough. I think we've talked enough about the Vikings and how the game, the first game of the season was kind of really poor. Um, I was a hundred percent wrong when I was saying that the Eagles were going to blow out the, uh, the, the Patriots in week one. I mean, they did get off to a super ridiculously fast start. I mean, the first, four drives of the game combined but so two for the eagles and two for the patriots it went um field goal for philly and then a pick six by philly and then patriots got the ball back they fumbled on the first play the phil uh the eagles defense recovered it and then they scored a touchdown so they were up like 16 nothing in the first quarter so it was looking like it was going to be a blowout but then it kind of just i think the eagles had a bunch of punts in a row. They weren't really doing much. I mean, Dallas Goddard was a complete non-factor in the game. He had zero of anything, and that includes fantasy points. And that makes me mad because I have him, and I did not. I could not afford him to have a zero there in my starting lineup. So that was interesting. I don't anticipate that to continue, but we'll see what happens tonight. And overall, I mean, Hertz was kind of pedestrian in the game. the The Patriots had a chance at the end of the game to win it, but they just turned the ball over on downs. And I remember I was watching the highlights and the Eagles very easily could have ended up losing that game because it was just the, the Patriots offense, which wasn't anything crazy. I mean, Kendrick Bourne played well, Hunter Henry played good, uh, but Juju was really a non-factor, uh, Gusecki non-factor. 
And then who else was their wide receiver? I don't know. Who even knows? But Kendrick Bourne played okay. I think he had two touchdowns in the game. Um, and Hunter Henry had one as well. But other than that, like, Mac Jones didn't really play that well. Um, so, I don't know. But my prediction for this game is I think the Eagles are going to come out and they're going to play a more complete game than they did last time. They're going to start well and they're going to finish well. And in the middle of the game, um, they're going to just keep keep doing their thing. Last game was more they started off well, like super hot, and then they just kind of fell off for the rest of the game. I think in this one they're going to play a more complete game against the Giants. And uh, obviously them being at home will uh, – that, that always helps as the first home game for them of the season. So that will kind of help. And that energy there, and I think that uh, Jalen Hurts is going to play pretty well. A.J. Brown will have a touchdown, and uh, hopefully they get Dallas Goddard involved more. So my prediction is Philly winning over Minnesota. Uh, I'll go 28-16. to So, yeah, you have them covering. I don't. Um, I I still think 23-20. Got to give my respect to the Vikings. I think they're really going to try not to go 0-2 here. Um, But, yeah, I like the Eagles. So that is all for today's episode of the Streakers Podcast. I'm Patrick Previty. That's Mason McGlair. We'll be back next Sunday previewing week two of the NFL season. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 